On the show today, you'll meet Jen and Daniel, two writers living in New York City who married on August 26, 2017. In their first year of marriage, they've continued to bond over their shared sense of humor, love of literature, clever quips, and snack tables at parties. This is their story. I thought that the vows needed to have a certain heft to thrust us into the reality of being married. And I thought that anything that I wrote would feel like it had about the weight of other things that I had written. Oh, yeah. We write every day. We did alter them a little bit at the end where it says till death do us part. I had them tack on and also as ghosts, just in case that's a thing. So there are a few stories couples will tell countless times in their lives. And one is how you met. The other one is how you proposed. But first, let's start with how we met. We were, what was it, banned from the same Starbucks for setting off fireworks. Oh, right? yeah. And for stealing the babies. That's right. For taking the babies <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> uh, no, we met, at a, we met at a party, which happens less and less uh, these days. We met at the party of a mutual friend. I know. Friend. We didn't meet online, which is how most of my married friends have met now. This is going to sound enormously old-fashioned when we tell our grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> but I had been in New York for about two weeks, and I was invited to our mutual uh, friend, a friend that we both met on Twitter, mm-hmm. was throwing a, a holiday-slash-housewarming party. And it was way, 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 way uptown, and I had no idea how to get there. But I was in a new city, which meant that I had to go out and actually do things. So uh, I looked up instructions on Google Maps, and what I didn't know is that Google Maps doesn't always know which trains aren't running or which stops it's going to randomly skip mm-hmm. over. So it overshot the stop that was right next to her door. So I had to walk all the way back up this giant hill pretty far uptown in a neighborhood that I didn't know at all. And I was just so tired and so hungry. And I didn't really want to go to this party. And there was a Popeye's and you love Popeye's. And I walked right by a Popeye's chicken and I thought, you know, I could just go there and this could be my Christmas party. (laughs) That is a party. Yeah. It's a a Popeye's party for one. (laughs) I will go to that party versus any other party, honestly. I mean, food for a family, but party for one. (laughs) So, uh, but I finally, I finally figured out at least what street to be on and I got to the door but I, I didn't have a signal on my phone, so I couldn't look up the buzzer number in order to get in. So somebody came out of the building so I could get as far as the airlock, but I couldn't get to the other door before it sealed. So I'm standing there in the airlock, looking at my phone, trying to get a signal, and I hear this little rap, 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 rap on the other side of the glass. And I turn around, and there's a shockingly beautiful woman <laughs> on the other side of the glass in a long black coat. And I immediately think, I am not ready for this to happen. <laughs> And she looks up at me and I can sort of quasi read her lips through the the glass. And she's making it really easy because she's talking really loud so I can hear her. She said, are you here for Megan? And I was, but it turns out I was also here for you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I let you in. Mm -hmm. And then. uh, You did not speak to me at all. No. No. No words. Because I I thought if I said something, then it would be something stupid and I would ruin it. (laughs) We were going to a fifth floor walk up and there were two sets of stairs that were both on the same side of the building. They were both on the right. So it was indistinguishable which of these we were supposed to take. So I confidently, figuring that I had a 50-50 chance, I confidently led you up the wrong stairwell Mm -hmm. for five flights. And Uh, then we got to the top of the stairs and we were outside of a building where a couple was fighting in a way that leads me to believe that they were either getting divorced or they should be getting divorced it would have it was the same apartment number if we'd yeah. been on the right if we'd been on the correct stairwell it would have been the place we were going instead yeah. it was the equivalent apartment number in the wrong stairwell exactly so we were outside of this terrible building we were listening to people scream we realized it was the wrong stairwell and I said, well, once again, I've been tricked into attending a murder party. And, uh, and I thought that was a very bold joke to make with a total stranger <laughs> that you had just walked up walked up a stairwell with. And I thought, okay, I'm in love with this person. Oh, man. It took me a little bit longer, partly because I found out that the party was in part being thrown because another woman at it had a crush on Daniel from Twitter. 
which is very understandable. This His Twitter is the, amazing. This is the part of the story that I that I this, do not. This believe. is a hundred percent true. So I found this out, and uh, you know, I, I was dating people at the time. I wasn't like at that party looking for a boyfriend. So I excused myself. I left. Daniel followed me out. The girl who had a crush on Daniel followed him out. And the three of us rode home on the subway together. Three of us together. rode home on the subway tomorrow, and then you and I got married, and, and then, that's how it worked. Well, a little bit before that, her stop was first, and she got off, <laughs> and you you were trying to acquiesce. You, I was politely reading my book. I was letting you two talk, mm-hmm. letting that lady have her shot. And I was politely talking to someone who had followed us both out of the party, and then I... She got off first, and you looked at me, and I looked at you, and you patted the little empty spot next to you on the train. <laughs> and I came over, and I talked to you for a while. Mm-hmm. You decided you lived with me now. And I said I lived with you now. Yeah. No, I still went to my own house. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to the other girl? Do we know? Oh, well, you went on one date with we her, went right? On and one date with oh, her. Oh, yeah. But you and I had Which been talking me in the meantime. Shockingly jealous, like in a way that I have never experienced before or since. It, you set yourself up for it. I knew that this girl had a crush on you, and you had said I, I'd kind of like to take you out on a date. And I said, Yeah, but you know, you just moved to the city. You should, you should be going on dates with lots of people. Because so, you and I were texting. Yeah. And I asked you out, and you said. I, this I other felt person, like a jerk about it, though. There was clearly another girl who was very interested in and you. you thought you I didn't felt want like a I was stealing you away. I was dating. I was, you know, I was sewing my oats. You were a woman about town. <laughs> I was a woman about town. A, a real bond. A real thoughts. champagne bubble about town. <laughs> <laughs> now, the night I met my husband, he was hitting on another girl, and he went on a date with her. And the reason we kind of kept talking was because he came to watch a football game with me so he could get out of a second date with her. Oh. <laughs> and then I helped him gently let her down over text and didn't work very well. It was really sad. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry but for her. Clearly it worked out well for us. I think she's doing okay. I try yeah. to check in on her from time to time on Facebook just to make yeah. sure she's all right. I think she's okay. Yeah. And I hope this other gal's okay. I, I think she... I don't think she remained in love. I think the date didn't no, go I mean, great. Because this is an annual party. Yeah. So we remained friends with her in subsequent years. Oh, yeah. We saw her for many oh, years to come. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah. And it's not awkward? I don't think so. Nope. Uh, I mean, you and I just glommed onto each other so immediately that I felt like the world just kind of had to accept it. Oh, pretty much. I mean, we were— All of my friends were kind of shocked. Because you were a champagne bubble about town. Well, I knew so instantly that I was going to marry you. And I didn't usually feel that way about people that I was going out with. No, you would often kick them out of your house so that you could play computer games. (laughs) (laughs) Was I supposed to say that on a podcast? Well, (laughs) since we're sharing that, yeah— Sometimes, when I was younger, after sleeping with people, I don't like to have people sleep over. So I would go to my computer and aggressively play Civilization Three in front of them <laughs> and not talk to them, but make it clear that I was doing something cool now and they needed to leave. At least one of the things you just said is false. <laughs> is it that I was doing something cool it might now? Because it's pretty cool. My people might... had really high standards of living. They had all of the wonders. <laughs> sure. Okay, so we obviously talked about the time you guys met. Tell me about the proposal. It sounds like you both knew pretty early on this was your person. But oh, I, I certainly did. And it wasn't, I did not keep in, you know, opposition to every piece of female advice that I've ever read. I think I showed it at you that we were getting married immediately. <laughs> the, the funniest one was you started bringing it up pretty frequently. And the very first time you mentioned it, even as a joke or a remote possibility, I asked you your ring size. <laughs> because the one really traditional thing that I think that men are allowed to do in modern times without it being particularly controversial is plan a proposal that is something of a surprise. I think that's one place where the traditional duties are really fun and interesting for the the proposer, mm-hmm. the person who in the relationship is anticipated to be the proposer, mm-hmm. which, you know, in our case was me playing a traditional heterosexual male gender role. Mm-hmm. So I asked you your ring size the very first second that we even jokingly talked about getting married because that way I could file that information away. 
if things continued to go as well as we thought they were going to, I could then propose for real in a way that would be surprising. Mm -hmm. But once we started talking about it at all, you were asking every day, when is it coming? (laughs) Okay. I remember the exact moment that I decided that we needed to get married. And this may be a little off topic from the proposal, But we were living together by then, and we moved in together after about six months. So that was fast by itself. But about a month after we had moved in together, you were out at a concert with your friends. And you thought you were going to be home by midnight, but it got really late. And I texted you just to make sure that, you know, everything was okay. And you did not text me back because your phone was dead. And oh, I no. became totally convinced that you were dead. That's Be- me. If, yep. if five minutes have passed, I'm like, well, I'm a widow. Yes. Oh, He's my God. Gone. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I started thinking to myself, well, like, that was it. That was my yeah. person. I'm not yep. going back to, like, seeing other men who I don't want in my house so I can play civilization. <laughs> so I was totally crushed by it. And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm just never going to date again. And then I thought... I'm going to be walking around wearing black all the time, and people will say, what's that lady's deal? And my friends will say, well, she was dating this guy, and he died. (laughs) And they'll be like, well, they were probably going to break up anyway, right? Like, is she taking that that a little bit hard? So, yeah, we needed to get married so that if you die, I can be the widow Kibblesmith. Right. I will wear black all the time. Right. Yeah. And you'll be justified. Yeah. I'll, like, buy wedding cakes just to let them rot so I can do a full <laughs> habitat. Yeah. Yeah. Boyfriends are supposed to die. <laughs> they're, like, they're, they drive on motorcycles like on rainy nights. Yeah, like yeah. goldfish. Like goldfish. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. expectation <laughs> is that a boyfriend, if a fiancé dies, it's very, very tragic. It is. But then if a you're getting into, dies, like, BBC television show category if a fiancé dies. But your boyfriend dies. That's like a Shangri-La song. Like, who cares? You're both 15. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) He shouldn't have driven his motorcycle on Dead Man's Pass. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it teaches teaches kids a valuable lesson about life, really. Yeah, like goldfish. When your husband dies, that's a big deal, and you're allowed to be as sad as you thought you were going to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm so glad so much of our relationship revolves around my death. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So dark. Anyhow, I think you came home, and I told you that we should get married. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you asked you asked frequently, and the, the funniest one, the one that I remember, is the time that you just blurted out. We were talking about it and joking about it, and I was teasing you a little, and you mm-hmm. finally just blurted out, Are you going to marry me or what, you pussy? <laughs> <laughs> Which is not how you talk, <laughs> and not how I feel comfortable talking. Is <laughs> not, not something uh, – you've never even said anything similar to that, but I think you just knew it would be so shocking. I know, and it worked. <laughs> So that's my tip and for everyone. <laughs> I could not stop laughing God. for about seven hours. Which, by the way, I'm really glad that you always enjoy my jokes. Yeah, you're funny. Yeah, God. That's a that's a great thing to have in a partner. But, Jen, you talked about playing it cool and how you didn't. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, just, I did no. a bad job. For about an hour like, and a it half. It sounds yeah, like you really maybe cool. played it cool and leaned towards no. No. But... I feel like a lot of women try really hard, especially those first few months of dating. They're like, I'm the coolest girlfriend ever. Mm-hmm. No, no pressure, pressure whatsoever. Yep. I'm Super just cool girl, hang not out. like other girls. Yeah. I ask for nothing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't need a pillow. I hate pillows. No. <laughs> just I'm fine. Yeah. But, I mean, I think a lot of it be- is because you're told, like, you don't want to scare the man away or you don't want to freak them yeah. out when it comes to commitment. Yeah, like he's a gentle woodland creature that needs to <laughs> learn to gently eat, uh, <laughs> eat grain from your right. hand. You have to lure him over to your hand first. You do. That sounds exhausting to me. Yeah. I mean, I I went out with people who I authentically did not care about, and it seemed like for some of them that was a really huge turn-on. And, like, on the other hand, I also went out with people who were definitely not ready for commitment, and I found that incredibly alluring. So I understand how that can be appealing. But you know that you have to live with this person every day, right? Sure. Like, you you can't, like, keep reading the rules when you're five years into marriage. That would I be really reading hard. the rules five minutes in. Oh, God, me too. When it told me I couldn't make jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Daniel, was that... I mean, as a man hearing a woman screaming at you about marrying her, 
what goes through your head? Well, sure, it sounds bad when you put it like that. It sounds well, that's like, what you told me. Yeah, no, it sounds like a, like a Honeymooners or a French Flintstone. No, I mean, we were so clearly, we were so clearly compatible. I mean, we were very quickly becoming one unit regardless. Yeah, a unibrain. We were becoming a unibrain. And I knew that I wanted to marry you really soon. You told your mom after, what, like two months? Oh, yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood of two months because on Valentine's Day, we both worked much harder on each other's gifts than anyone who had been together in two months in previous Valentine's Day relationships that I had been in. And we we were talking about it semi-seriously pretty early and the conventional wisdom that I grew up with was that you should live together first and that you should be together for a at least year. a year. Yeah. And our anniversary was New Year's. Mm-hmm. Our first uh, real date was when I was your date to your New Year's party. Yeah. So on New Year's Day the following year, I had a very brief conversation with myself, which is something along the lines of like, yep, I love her. <laughs> she is going to be my wife. This is the easiest decision I've ever made. Don't know why I had to wait a year. I feel exactly the same as I did yesterday and exactly the same as I did six months ago. But I guess this is written down somewhere. And that was when I started shopping for a ring. And I knew where to look because we had talked about it so much jokingly, so much half-jokingly, that I think Jennifer was giving me information about what she wanted. And I was, you know, secreting that information away in such a way that I could still surprise her, hopefully, which is not yes. exactly what ended up happening. You know, it it was a surprise. It was, it, okay, it wasn't really a surprise. I knew you were going to propose. I had a good idea of the day you'd be proposing. I definitely got a manicure that afternoon just in case a proposal was going So it doesn't sound to, like a surprise so at it all. it doesn't sound like a surprise <laughs> The more way. we unpack it, the That's more it sounds like point. the opposite of a surprise. <laughs> Um, but you didn't tell me. I didn't tell you that it was going to happen. And it wasn't one of those double proposal things or Instagram proposals or... Wait, what? You know, where you propose before... You have a public proposal and a private proposal or... Oh, my God. No, I did not know. Do you know about know. this? No. So Is in, that a thing? Yeah. In the same way that yeah. sometimes people will get like a city hall marriage and then they'll have a big wedding yes. a little later. And that I'm a little more familiar with. But I guess because... The wedding experience and every step of it has has grown uh, so so big and and sometimes elaborate depending on the people. Sometimes there are multiple stages of the proposal as oh, well. Wow. Or you'll hire photographers for the photographed proposal. Yeah, but the real proposal was a surprise beforehand. How do I know more about this? I than have you? no idea. I I feel like I was the one reading the knot every month <laughs> leading up to her. Wedding. I feel like so you I'm might know more you than know me. So, do you want my job? I would. I want to start planning weddings because I think <laughs> there might be some money in it. Is what I'm inferring. <laughs> but I know there are couples who pick out the ring together. But I liked the idea of surprising Jen, so I just got as much information about the ring as I could, which meant that it wasn't really a surprise because we were talking about the designer that she liked and the Mm -hmm. styles that she liked Mm -hmm. and her size. And finally what happened was I scheduled a time to go uh, with my friend who who was going to be my best man to go ring shopping. Oh, yeah, and it was in our joint calendar. It was in our joint calendar, which you have looked at one time. (laughs) And this was the one time. And it said, bro brunch. And I thought, that's not a thing. Two men don't go out and have brunch together. I mean, maybe they do, and they should. They, brunch is amazing. They I should be secure recommend in their masculinity. It, it sounds great. Anybody. Yeah. Especially two men. Go get mimosas. For sure. I think bro brunch is it's, a great they're idea. They're bottomless, yeah. and it's, it's super fun. Yeah, you can have something savory. And something sweet in the same meal. I yes. love bread. It's a good pitch, but you <laughs> saw through the lie immediately. immediately. Well, I definitely didn't feel like you and Cullen were the kind of men who, you know, would casually go out and have brunch together. No, no, we're creatures of the night. No. <laughs> Daniel, why did you put bro brunch? I needed to block off the time in a way where... I felt that she would be totally disinterested, so I gave it the s- stupidest, most no, uninviting was, name possible. I'm all I in. care about brunch places so much. Yeah, I want to attend that bro brunch. Oh, yeah. It Very backfired so hard. Clearly, this is captivating to you guys. <laughs> as soon as you throw bro brunch out there, people say, I have questions. 
Yes. So what I think is a testament to our relationship is I saw Bro Brunch on our mutual calendar, but I never check. And I did not think, oh, he's lying. He must be cheating on me. Like, he could be seeing another girl during maybe for brunch, the best meal. Sure. Some kind of 11 a.m. <laughs> based Some kind of 11 a.m. based infidelity. Yeah. No, I fully assumed, oh, he's lying about going out to brunch with Cullen. He's clearly ring shopping for me. I'm getting engaged. Yeah. And you and I was right. kind of hugged all over me and yeah. started demanding to know more. You, know, you didn't tell it? me What's very much, I'm, though. I didn't. I was um, trying really hard to keep yeah. as much of this a surprise as possible. I had a few things. I really didn't want it to be blood diamonds. So I know that you got – what were they? Stones that were – They were – Not were, based on the blood of African they children? Were, well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that just comes down to to knowing you and to knowing what your values are, <laughs> to knowing the priorities of person I'm going to marry. And one of those things is that she is a good person and does not want bad person things. I don't know. I mean, look, somebody gave me the hope diamond. Like, I if they it. gave it to me, would I turn it down? No, it's oh. a gift. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any way that I get it without committing a crime. So I would put that in the category of bad people things. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, your ring is stones from vintage jewelry. Your mm-hmm. The designer is uh, Caitlin Motion. And she told me that she has the same concerns as you and uh, reclaims uh, stones from, from existing pieces of jewelry. I love that so much. You found such a perfect ring for me. I love it so much. Well, it was going to be it was going to be very, very close to perfect, and I was so proud to have left the shopping with the confidence that I had done everything right, that I had already known your size, and at the very last second she said, Okay, now we need Jennifer to come in for a sizing because we have non standardized <laughs> sizes. I said, are you sure? I'm positive she's a seven. And they said, if you want it to be perfect, she really does need to come in, which meant the cat was out of the bag and you had to go to the wedding ring store without me. I am a 6.75 and it's a little bit too small. Well, thank God we cleared that up, <laughs> yeah, though, that you went now. in. Can yeah. you imagine getting a seven? Yeah. It would have. It would have been a little bit better. <laughs> a huge disaster. Yeah. You would have had a better fitting ring, and the proposal also would have been more of a surprise. I don't know. I I think I could figure it out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I already knew by Bro Brunch. It's and, all you talked about. Well, I was pretty excited about it. I loved our engagement. I love yeah. being engaged to you. I love being married to you. And I'm going to love being a ghost with you. It's going to go good. It's going to be so it's good. Gonna We're going to prank people really hard. The ghost part will be the most romantic, I, I think. I mean, I think, you know, I think every stage of the relationship is great. But, yeah, a lot of people work to Looking get forward to, to the, ghosts. The, the ghost part. Yeah. So, wait, tell me about the actual proposal. Sure. Once I had the ring in my pockets, which anyone listening to this who has proposed knows that that is a heavy ring in your pockets, that that's a big feeling. And I didn't have any doubts about proposing, but... The idea that something could happen to it, you know, that I could drop it or lose it or get mugged or something weighed on me very heavily. But the night that we planned was your birthday, Mm -hmm. which also coincided with a big work party for you at the publisher of your first two books. Yeah, Macmillan was having their 150-year party. So all of the Macmillan authors were there. And I remember I was talking to Andy Cohen. Oh, and name drop. Nice man. My personal friend. He's not. We he's not my never own personal savior, Andy Cohen. Yeah. Just makes magic happen on my television. Well, he's a delight. Love so that man. I was talking to him about my book about plagues. And, uh, you know, like when you see a famous person, like you admire. When you see a famous person and you yell, do you want to know some cool bubonic plague facts? Because <laughs> I got them for you. Uh, and Daniel pulled me away. And I thought, oh, God, I must have said something really embarrassing in front of Andy Cohen. So I was very worried as you pulled me into the cab. I said, we're going. We're leaving. Said, we're leaving. <laughs> um, and uh, the reason that I was pulling you away from the work party early was that... I had recreated our first official date at the Algonquin for drinks and then the Hunt and Fish Club. Yeah. The restaurant, a very fancy restaurant. Owned by Anthony Scaramucci. Partially owned by the Anthony Scaramucci. (laughs) Romance. Romance. I found out later 
And I had stationed a photographer friend of mine uh, in the lobby of the Algonquin to take photographs of us when I did the proposal. And she'd been there for for some time because it was very hard to subtly – But the waiters were all in on it, right? They the were all were in all on it. all helping her So out. she was there you know, 15 or 30 minutes longer than she thought she was going to be and she had recruited – everybody to be part of the proposal mission. So she had very – and it was all unnecessary. It was such overkill. But she had the the door people and the concierges and security guards all kind of like peeking around corners and saying things like, I've got eyes on him because they were just excited <laughs> I love to the participate. <laughs> also, you know, whenever I go there now, the waiters always ask about you and they want to know how you're doing. And I feel like it's nice that one of our favorite spots got to be a place where you propose. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's why I picked it. It felt like your home away from home. It's a great place. And when you got there, did you know the proposal was happening? I'm going to say I was more than half sure that it was going to happen. I thought there were a few other dates. We were going to Paris in a few weeks. So I thought, okay, he might want to propose in Paris. That would be Good another really propose. romantic place to propose. That would be fun. But I figured it was either going to be there or it was going to be when we were in Paris. And you also looked really nervous through the entire night. But, you know, you also, like, have independent concerns. You could be nervous about... The deteriorating state of our democracy. It didn't have to be sure. because you were proposing. Less so at the time. Again, I never assumed we were going to break up because you seem nervous. I've never assumed we would ever break up. No, no I never assumed we would break neither. up. So. No, we're like little magnets. Oh, my God. I know. I, I like the way you smell. <laughs> that was a weird thing to say on a podcast. No, not about Anyhow, marriage, I don't think. No, <laughs> I'm a cool lady. This is love. <laughs> so when you proposed, what did you say? I said I, – well, like Jennifer was saying, I was very nervous. But we were talking for a long time and I was waiting for some kind of organic thing to happen in the conversation that would lead me to get up and get down on one knee and pull a ring box out of my pocket. But I don't think I knew what that thing was. People don't usually say, I wonder if anyone is going to propose to me right now. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> well, she might. She might. Yeah. yeah. You might have been the exception. Yeah. But you said something about our future or something about us being together forever. And that led me to say, well, if you, you know, if you're serious or it's funny, you should mention that. And I got down on one knee and said something about you being my forever person and said, will you marry me? And you were so excited and kept shouting, is this it? Is this happening? And grabbing me well, by the I shoulders. I thought about it for so long. Grabbing me by the shoulders and kissing my head. <laughs> And kissing my face while I was talking and interrupting me to the point where after I finally got all the words out, you forgot to say yes. I did. And I said. So I'm off the hook. <laughs> and I said. None of this is legal. I said, OK, you, 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 you have to say yes. You have to officially say yes. You said yes, 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 yes. And you gave me lots of little kisses. And there's photographs of the whole thing. I'm and so my glad there are photographs too. Katie did a beautiful job. She did a really pictures. wonderful job. Yeah. She came out from behind a pillar and we ordered champagne. And then we had a date. Yeah. Well, we also called her parents. I think we called her parents, parents right away because my mother knew there was a strong – she knew enough to be like, go get a manicure. What's the worst What's the worst that could happen? You get a manicure for nothing. And my parents so. <laughs> knew fully that I was proposing or they at the very least knew that I had purchased a ring. Mm -hmm. And I'd asked your dad's permission before I proposed. Oh, that's yeah, the other extreme that's right. That was – you know, I don't think of us as being – extremely traditional people. But I think there was something kind of beautiful to me thinking about how many other people had done that all through history and the kind of beautiful continuity of those steps. And, you know, it was nice. I think it meant a lot to my dad that I you talked to him about it. I think, I think if he'd said, him. no, yeah. you can't marry my daughter, we'd still be married. We would have overruled him immediately. But... Yes, that is definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's also something to be said about having a difficult conversation with your future in-laws. Yeah. Just to have one under the belt before you become family. Yeah. And the high stakes thing of asking the yeah, the father or, you know, mother, who, whoever has that role in your family or the hand of your future spouse is definitely a powerful thing to do if you try to embrace that tradition. Mm -hmm. 
And he said something, he said a lot of really smart and helpful and inspiring things. But the one that stuck with me the most was the fact that I phrased it as I am buying a ring before I said the sentence, I am, would like your blessing to ask Jennifer to marry me. I said, I am buying a ring. And he said, well, you know, those things are non-returnable. Which is a phenomenal metaphor. That's such a dad way of saying that marriage yeah. is forever. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is the kind of dad who shows love by like checking the oil pressure in your car. So uh, I think yeah. he was for it. I think that was a good metaphor for marriage. Yes. <laughs> he's he's very traditional dad, <laughs> you know, sends you frequent flyer mile updates. And, a lot. And that That's means, a great dad that move. That's a big about dad you. move. Yeah. That means he cares about you and he's looking out for you. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys met, fell in love, and got engaged in a year. Mm -hmm. How long did it take you to plan your wedding? It took us longer to plan our wedding. It took us, I think it took us about a it took over a year. I'm going to say a it year. It was not quite a year and a half because Almost I proposed half, to you on right? your birthday, yeah. which was in April, and then we got and, married in August. Yeah. So it was about a year and three months. And it was partly – it was going to be sooner, but then I had another friend who was getting married on that same weekend, mm. and she was very into astrology and checked a book, and it was the only auspicious date for them, which she might have been lying to me, but that tracks, that's, that tracks for me a person who knows nothing about that, so sure. It never occurred to me that that might not be true. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> Look, I think in the science of the world, that might not be true. That I that I definitely believe. Yeah. But it, it all worked out for the best. It, it all just, worked out really It never well. occurred it to me good. that that might just be a very clever excuse. I mean, if – I'm sure she did not mean it just as a very clever excuse. But you know what? It's fine. That Let her have, have that weekend. That would have been brilliant either way. <laughs> we are not in – what's that terrible movie with Anne Hathaway and Kate Hudson? The Truman Show. Oh, <laughs> Bride Wars. <laughs> Bride Wars. <laughs> Yeah. Also, the Truman Show. Also, they I'm were both pretty yeah. sure I'm yeah. right. On yeah, this one. I think you're right. Um, did you need that entire year and three months? Because uh, most couples they take about fourteen months to no, plan their wedding. I think we could have invited people over to our apartment, popped out a lot of champagne, mm -hmm. and had a cake, and I could have worn a fancy dress, and it would have been great. I actually did just that. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. We planned ours in seven weeks. Yeah, and that was just because that's how long it took our families to come up exactly. to Texas. Yeah. No, I think that is. A totally reasonable option, but it actually meant a lot to my dad that we have a, a formal wedding. That it we talked about letting them off the hook. Oh for yeah, we the, talked about letting them off the hook entirely. The time that we and could, the expense and the labor. Yeah, we could have done it. Like we had a nice little garden area near our apartment. We thought we could just have some friends over. We could go out and get like a really good brunch afterwards. So we a bro brunch, a, a bro or and lady brunch. Uh, okay, yeah. a mixed gender brunch, <laughs> some kind of matrimony brunch. Yeah. So, but no, it meant a lot to my dad, and I think as our families talked about it more, we realized how much it sort of meant to them, and they wanted to get everybody together. And my mother pointed out that you know. Mostly they just do funerals now, so there aren't a lot of happy times when people get together in a family. Like, hint, hint, it would be nice if your grandmother could dance at oh, your God, wedding. Oh, God, and she did, and that was so wonderful. She's 93, and she came, and it was great. That's um, amazing. Yeah, no, so I am really, really glad that we ended up having a bigger wedding. And, uh, you I, know, know and if, I loved her wedding. Her wedding was amazing. Yeah, I don't know if we needed as much time as we had, but I think when you have the date set, what happens is the tasks just kind of balloon to fill that amount of time regardless because you, yes. you can tinker with things until you need Absolutely. to pull the trigger. Yeah, no, there's part in the feminine mystique where Betty Friedan talks about how housework expands, that a lot of working women find that they can do their housework like easily in an hour after work, but women who stay at home find that can find more and more and more tasks. And I think planning a wedding can be a little bit like that. A deadline that is good because it means you actually You're done at some things. point. Yeah. No, it did get to be amazing things. Like I had a cousin who passed away who loved butterflies. So we wanted to make sure that we had butterflies released at the wedding. Oh, so you beautiful. can end up coming up with a million things like that that are nice to have. And I think they can also make it really stressful, but not for me, man. I had a great time. It was a big party and everybody came. I loved it. So what were the main things when you guys went into wedding planning that you were like, 
this is us. This is representative of our relationship, and we need to work those into our our wedding. Well, one thing that I think is representative of us is that we aren't people who enjoy going out and dancing very much. I mean, I I like I like like old school dancing. I'll dance to like Frank Sinatra. I love the house. You like dancing with me around the I like, house. I dance with you. Yeah, like but we're, we don't club. Yeah, you know, we don't. No, we don't club. It's clubbers. weird because I I identify you especially Jen as a clubber. As with a all your talk clubber. of like video games, civilization and... three. <laughs> yeah, we... yelling, "Will you marry me?" A lot. Yeah, seems Great. like Will someone who's in a club, club at two a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've always joked about how for me at any party, I wish they would put aside like a quiet room that you could just withdraw into for like 50 minutes, check your phone, maybe, you know, maybe read a brief New Yorker article, maybe a shout some murmurs, and then you come out again ready to talk to a whole room full of people. So we had this empty train car at our wedding, and we turned it into a quiet reading room. And we put all of our friends' books there, which was kind of nice because we have a lot of friends who have written books, and it meant that if you liked a book you were looking at, the author was there, and you could go over and talk to them and ask some questions. And I kind of had hopes that it would cause some of our single friends to hook up, and it didn't, so that failed. But And we had Scrabble boards out. We yeah. had Scrabble and Boggle out because that's what we like to play when we're at home in bed. Yeah. It was very important to us that we have a, a Scrabble game available. And, it, it and also, ongoing. And I didn't realize everyone. until yeah. after I saw the photos how Instagrammable it is to have a Scrabble board at a wedding because people spell out things that are funny or romantic or inside jokes. But, yeah, it was this – it was at a restaurant on a rooftop with an old – like a like a trolley car almost. Yeah, it was at the McKittrick Hotel. Into a bar. It was at Gallo Green, and it feels like this little garden in New York. Where it's beautiful. It's, really it's one lovely. of my favorite places in the city. Yeah. I'm very jealous that I didn't spend look 14 months actually ending up at Gallo Green. It it's worth it. Was fantastic. I think we could have been just as happy if we'd gone like a two months. Let's get married route, but. You know, it was really special to just set off that whole thing, make them play the music that we like, have our quiet room that yeah, we liked. The in-house band who does all the stuff with Sleep No More. Oh, yeah, they were great. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Yeah. I had very little to do with planning the wedding. <laughs> That's actually true. It's one of the few times in my life working with vendors where the gender roles were entirely reversed, where usually – if I'm talking to an electrician, they'll be like, so this is what we're going to do, and uh, you're going to like it, and that's fine. And they and, only talk to me. I'm, yes, and I'll say, I, I'm going to put my husband on the phone, and suddenly the price gets better. <laughs> suddenly, like, it's a different thing. Yeah. I think this was fascinating because you would try to offer suggestions, and people would look at you and say, and how does the bride feel? What is the bride's opinion on that? So you... You got to do some of it. Yeah, I got yeah. to I got to make suggestions. I think you're right. Certainly in yeah, certainly in man woman straight marriages where as I'm finding out as we're talking about it that we embraced lots of traditional of tra- well, traditional gender roles. I like the history so. of them. Yeah, no. I mean me me too. I think and that came up in our vows as well. Like there are things that I recognize as being real wedding things because I know them from pop culture. Yeah. And a lot of that pop culture stuff is very repeated. But my contributions to the wedding, I did have one joke <laughs> that I really wanted uh, for the wedding, which was that we got to have signature cocktails. Oh, yeah, that was great. And the joke that we came up with was yours was uh, like the a, Jenny. Yours was like a Cure, Cure Royale yeah. variation, and we called it the Jenny. <laughs> and we were riffing on that movie we saw, the Meryl Streep. Diablo Cody movie, Ricky and the Flash. Oh, Ricky and the Flash, So they yeah. go to this – in the movie, they go to this pretentious hipster wedding mm-hmm. where there are cocktails named after the couple. Mm-hmm. So at our wedding, we had one called the Jenny mm-hmm. and then we had one called the other one. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I thought that was very, very funny. I really liked it. I think that was such a good gag. And I thought that was a nice way to jokingly telegram that I was not a willing participant in this. <laughs> That's our version of the, you know, the cake toppers where the... Oh, they were dinosaurs. I loved oh, cake our cake toppers. our real cake toppers were amazing. I was yeah. going to say the cake toppers were like the groom is being like pulled. Oh, I hate that. Why do they like do that? that stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sure people are listening to that who had those cake toppers and they thought they were super funny. I assume we were both pretty happy about getting married. Yeah, we As were I recall, we were pretty, pretty excited that we had found our person and that we could have this big party with yeah, all of I our didn't friends want to and send, family. With the exception of that one joke about the cocktails, I didn't want to send the message that this was bad or that I was giving mm-hmm. something up or that I didn't yeah. want to be there. Um, and our cake toppers were gold dinosaurs from were, Etsy. Yeah, I see myself as the Tyrannosaurus. You were the Tyrannosaurus, the Tyrannosaurus. And I had to specify to them, and again, this is another place where the expectation of gender roles came in, but we actually subverted them this time was the Etsy person who was selling the cake toppers. Spray paints gold dinosaurs and puts top hats and bridal veils on them. It's very simple. That's amazing. Very it's cool. Yeah. What a business. Yeah. yeah. I think they I yeah. think they do really well. I cuz I had seen them at other weddings or on Instagram or something. So we had to be very very clear that the Long-necked herbivore was the man, was the top hat dinosaur, and that the uh, pearls and white veil were on the Tyrannosaurus Because I got tiny little hands. Because you got tiny little arms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I loved having our friends. So for the wedding program, we made it look like a newspaper, and they were just going to do, like, fake articles around it to make it look like newsprint. But instead, we got all of our friends to write little pieces that were like classified ads or comic strips, comic strips. horoscopes. Oh, horoscopes. Oh, horoscopes listings. were good. Television listings. And they were all tied to our relationship or love in yeah. some way. Well, so. we're both writers, and we should say that the whole thing had a literary theme, and it the way that did. you decorated it was with bookmarks. And yeah, we hung bookmarks from the trees, and, and they all had the table numbers on them and where you were going. So there was a little tree that was covered with bookmarks. I liked that a lot. And that was also the the souvenir or the parting gift thingy. Yes. And we also hired a 60-second novelist who listens to you talk for 60 seconds and then writes a quick little story about you on a typewriter that he brings with them. And all the stories were really sweet that he wrote about people. And I think that was... Again, if you don't feel like dancing, if you're kind of more of a sitting down person, that was a fun little souvenir. You play for people. your Scrabble and you read your fake newspaper. Paper, yeah. And you get a novel written about yourself. Yeah. You guys are writers, so when it comes to vows, what was your approach to that? Oh, my cousin wrote her own vows, and my grandmother. God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. My grandmother whispered to me, "What was wrong with the ones that God wrote?" <laughs> And I promised my grandmother at the time that if I ever got married, I would I would do the God ones, the ones that God wrote for everybody. So the vows were a pretty easy decision. So I knew that we were just going with the classic love, honor. I can't remember if we said obey or no, not. No, we took we obey cut, We cut out, obey, yeah. Which I think is very common these days. But I had the exact same – I had the exact same thought. We were on the same page about this because like things like – the proposal being a surprise or or asking for somebody's blessing. I thought that the vows needed to have a certain heft to thrust us into the reality of being married. married. <laughs> and I thought that anything that I wrote would feel like it had about the weight of other things that I had written. Oh, yeah. We write every day. It would be just another piece of writing where we might have that nice moment that as a writer you have where you feel like you've been touched by God a little bit on this one and you maybe have a paragraph that's really good, but it would fundamentally feel like another book or another day at the office for, I think, either of us. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not part of any religious structure. I don't have a lot of community surrounding the idea of, of getting married other than just my friends and family being there. So I felt like using the traditional vows kind of gave me the authority and put me in a psychological shift so that I understood that this was really happening and the commitment I was making. Whereas if I was writing the vows myself, I kind of feel like I was the one giving myself permission to get married. And it might undercut the feeling that this is like a large undertaking that you're doing under the eyes of of all of the people who raised you. 
We did alter them a little bit at the end where it says till death do us part. I had them tack on and also as ghosts just in case that's a thing. The biggest romantic stage of your relationship. Yeah. we've discussed. It's a big deal. Yeah. The pranking part. Yes. (laughs) It's being dead. Yeah. And then being ghosts. Yeah. Look, I I had to build in a little insurance because, you know, there there might very well be an afterlife. And I don't want you to get up there and think, finally, I can sleep with Christina Hendricks because— Who you feel we're going to outlive? I, 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 yeah, I think so. I don't know. Maybe not. She is, she is a truly beautiful woman. <laughs> or she's she a ghost with you guys. Superior. Yeah, you've got him locked down, so mm-hmm. he can't chase after exactly. ghost Christina Hendricks. Boom! Yeah, we've got this covered. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all what you're doing, yeah. and that's why we use the that's why we use the official vows and a yeah. a ghost addendum. Yeah, just as God wrote them. Exactly. Yeah. So your grandmother was mostly happy. I <laughs> my, think. I think my grandmother loved it. She had a really good time. She got to dance with everybody. Uh, yeah, that was. We got almost all of our family together for the wedding, which was. Really, the main goal for sure. us that was that was really special. So people were dancing, yes, which is shocking to me because we've talked so much about the like, people did human dance a lot, battery though. recharge room. Oh God, so which is the best. Yeah, people were it. also playing a lot of Scrabble and they hung out. And sure. somebody took like a ton of books home with them. I yes. can't remember who who brought home like a tote bag full of books. Were they a free for all or did they steal them? Oh no, they were all. Oh no, we I mean, we intended care. people to take okay. them if they wanted them. We had we had extra copies. Yeah, and anyone, I mean, I don't know about your wedding or anybody who's listening to this, but the day kind of carries you away. We were so sick the night before. Oh my god! Oh, and I kept making us drink those terrible ginseng shots. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there was a juice bar down the street from us. And they sold wellness shots that were mm-hmm. super spicy and yes. packed with – they tasted just awful. I don't even know if they work. I don't know if they do either, but I, I made us drink like five of them beforehand yeah. because I knew we were getting a cold and I didn't want us to be sick on the wedding day. And we weren't for whatever reason. I think it was just adrenaline. I think it was adrenaline. We were super sick the next day. Like we had a full-on colds by the next morning. Yeah, we had a hotel day afterwards, and we were very, very sick in the hotel bed. But that day... We didn't. We didn't feel sick. We didn't. Certainly didn't care about anybody. Any of our wedding guests stealing books because <laughs> the adrenaline had kicked in. And I think on your wedding day, you're just on a roller coaster. Yeah. And if you, we had planners and family members and uh, uh, groomsmen and bridesmaids. So the whole day is people kind of telling you where to stand and what to do, but in a fun way. And then you know you're always on to the next thing. My only regret is I stayed in a hotel next to the venue the night before. And again, I thought that would be nice. I thought it would be, you know, a, an interesting traditional thing of we live together, but we could take a night apart before the wedding. I wish we had spent the night together because it's just such a big day of meeting everybody and running through everything that I would have really liked a moment where I woke up with you and I could have just said, hey, we're getting married. This is this is amazing. We're doing it. We're we doing the thing. We should have sure. done that for sure. But yeah. I would have covered my eyes mm-hmm. so that I did not see the bride on our wedding day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, and you could have worn one of those little masks. Sure. I could have yeah. worn a sleep mask to yeah. bed and <laughs> yeah. then left in it <laughs> Yeah, and then fallen down the stairs. <laughs> so you guys obviously had a lot of Literary elements to your wedding. I assume your apartment is filled with books. It is. We have a book ladder. I got built in books. and the Beast. Wait, I can do that now. I can wear a blue dress and swing back and forth. It's I want amazing. that so bad. Oh, it's all I've ever wanted. I was so excited about it. But you're living in New York. Mm-hmm. So you have Brooklyn. Fair. <laughs> the okay. New York for Let's people who write books. Let's <laughs> all wow. brag about the space in Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Vulture Magazine. <laughs> But I would imagine brow and despicable. <laughs> I would imagine your apartment is not the largest living space that you've ever lived in. That is correct. It, <laughs> yes. Yes. So when it I mean, your apartment's filled with books, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine you have room for a ton of other gifts that you're wedding guests are going to bring to you. Right. We had also, again, um, we lived in Sin for a good solid two years leading up to our wedding. We had 
every kitchen appliance I can imagine myself logically needing. And a lot of things that you could not believe that I own. Oh, that I will just relentlessly. What is it? The tofu press? The tofu press is oh the one that God. was that was what? the bridge too far for you. It's... So uh, when we moved in, we combined all of our all of our kitchen knickknacks and I you cook way more than me now. Yeah. But at the time I cooked more than you. Mm-hmm. And I was really in love with kitchen gadgets and still am. And the one that you couldn't abide was the tofu press, which is a spring-loaded flat surface that gradually over the course of uh, ideally hours squeezes you, all of the water out of tofu you when you don't buy. make tofu no but Ever. i have <laughs> we've because used it of once. The tofu and i may press. i may again <laughs> we've used it since for shredded zucchini oh that's right i did need to drain zucchini once so a tofu press is a a spring-loaded s- s- gradual smasher if you need to squeeze the water out of something and then all of the water rises to the surface and then you, you pour it out over the sink. I think it is an insane and unwieldy scam. How much does that go for? Three million dollars. <laughs> and it's worth every penny. No, I, I feel like definitely I need it less now. than fifteen bucks. <laughs> I don't think any I think if you're at a point where you're wondering if you need a tofu press, you've got enough. You've done. You're good. You're good on everything you need. It's next to the immersion blender and the thing that is only for squeezing the juice out of limes. Oh, God. That's right. Daniel has every kitchen gadget. We have a very well-equipped kitchen in our our small our small place so you can see why our wedding registry wouldn't have been especially fun to yes. put together cuz I mean, we th- when i moved in we threw away a blender oh yeah we had two blenders so we gave a we gave a blender away we don't throw away any books we've doubled up on our books because uh that we that was a priority that yeah. we made room for that we made room for <laughs> yeah but no we didn't really need any more stuff we didn't have a ton of room for more stuff and uh, we also realized that we had friends who and family who were flying into New York, and that was the real gift. So we just encouraged people to donate to two charities that we really care about if they felt like giving us something. So my charity was the Alzheimer's Association. Two of my grandparents died of Alzheimer's, and fighting it is really important to me. So I thought that was the nicest gift people could give me if they wanted to, you know, toss in $20, I would rather they give it there than put it towards a tofu press. Another one. Yeah. Another tofu, a backup tofu press. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen to the first one. No, no, yeah. I might use it too much yeah. and it would wear out. Yeah. Uh, but I think, and it's really interesting that you say $20 because I think that's the other thing that appealed to me about having two of our favorite charities. And mine was a place called Futures Without Violence that uh, focuses on domestic domestic violence and prevention and helping the people who are living through it. But the fact that you could give $20 and that would be a more than a more than welcome wedding gift. Oh, you didn't gift. have to give anything. I also financially were in a great position compared to a lot of people. I I didn't want to make anyone have to give money to participate in your wedding. Definitely. And you had the option of Obviously, just uh, being our friend and, and attending, and that would have been a gift enough. But I think that with stuff, it's really hard to – and I've looked at a lot of registries over the past few years because we're of an age where a lot of our friends were also getting married around the same time. It's really hard to find gifts in a sort of acceptable price range for your old college roommate or your coworker. You don't necessarily yes. want to buy them an $800 China hutch. <laughs> so having charities as our our wedding gift, you know, our wedding registry, let people spend in the 10 to $100 range and it was culturally acceptable to do so versus people buying a lot of like forks or individual plates or you know mm-hmm. the the less expensive registry items tend to go the fastest. My mother hated that idea though. She thought it was very inappropriate to tell people which charities they should give to, which we tried to pick really inoffensive ones. They're all I think. pretty inoffensive. I mean, almost I, all charities. I don't know if if I had gone like the- fully liberal and been like I'm giving to the abortion fund in America. Sure. I love them. And I would have gone Church of Scientology. <laughs> All the way. Oh, hands yeah. down. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, I think we tried to choose charities that we thought that wherever people stood, they could feel very comfortable donating. My mother said that she did not like this idea. She felt like it was forcing politics on people, the politics of not liking Alzheimer's. Right. Is that a political <laughs> statement? We, we are actually very political. I'm a political editor at large for Harper's. Daniel works for the Colbert Show. I'm sure we could have been insanely political, and there weren't going to be, like, a ton of Trump supporters at our wedding. But Yeah, yeah. our friends and family weren't going to be surprised if we had If we had said, we all want you to give $50 to Planned Parenthood, everybody would have been like, yeah, that sounds like That that sounds sounds like what they would ask us to do. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But no, we, we tried to be apolitical about that, but my mother still told her friends that they could just give whatever gifts felt right to them in their hearts, which I think was terrible advice. I think it meant that we got a lot of gifts that were very expensive. And, and very nice. And very nice. And very, very nice. And one day I will use that claret jug, which is lovely and a part of our home now. It's a part of our home. It's a part of our kitchen. It's a long-necked decanter it, thingy. And it's enormous. It is very big. It's very, very large. I think that's something when I was going to weddings before I got married, I was like, I don't want to go on the registry. I want to get them something cool and unique mm-hmm. that they'll remember my gift yeah. and Penis not pasta. anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Always a winner. Yeah. Tofu press I've bought a few times. Yeah. yeah. But like now that I am married, it's like stick to the registry. It's we don't all need the stuff. Yes. any frills. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be cute. Just get me the thing I asked yes. for and that's it. Although we didn't ask for anything. Same. Yeah. I said, please give to a local charity exactly. I work with. Yeah. It's children. Oh, what was your charity? Keen New York. It's oh, children with Keen. special yeah, needs. That's yeah, that's great. So I run their swim program. Mm-hmm. So everyone in my life knows that's I work with them. And I was like, please do. donate to children. Mm-hmm. And still so many of them were like, no, thanks. I'm going to get you <laughs> this. <laughs> We have so much random stuff in our apartment, and it's all lovely. It's very nice. It's very— It is. I'm not— I'm not going to turn down any gift, obviously. And look, we got wine glasses, Mm -hmm. and the—it's like in the shape of a cat head, which is very special to me as a cat person. (laughs) And I love those. Well, that's great. But— you also could have maybe spent that $10, $15 on charity, and I would have been just as happy. Probably. So, you know, it's it's interesting. I feel like people are starting to use our registries to give back more. Well, people are marrying a lot older. Yes. And I think by the time you've lived with someone, I, I mean, my mother was very nervous that I wouldn't have a china pattern. I've, I've, oh, I've, that's stressing me out just talking I've, about it. I bought my own china. It's called Calamity Wear. It all looks very elegant, but if you look closely, it's pictures of like a robot destroying a city. So, it's pretty, uh, so it's that's our china, neat. and it's great. But I understand where that impulse to give a gift comes from, even if you've been told not to, because it's a physical thing that represents your marriage, and it'll be in your house, and you'll think of them when when you use it, and you'll remember that they gave it to you, which is something that you don't get with charities. What I have seen way more, though, is the honeymoon fund. Oh, yeah. yeah. That feels totally reasonable to, to me as well. socially acceptable and really common. Yeah, I'm glad people are doing that. I love it, and I love being able to break it down by, like, a gym membership mm-hmm. or a wine tasting sure. on our honeymoon, like these very specific things yes. you can buy. Then when you're writing your thank you notes, you can remember who donated to the wine tasting. You can send them, yep. like, a nice little snap of you at the wine tasting and be like, thank you for making this possible. It's so great. great. And, like, those experiences that bond you, you still remember the person oh, who helped contribute to that. Yeah. We also have, when I started working at The Knot, was I'm obsessed with this. I've been talking about it ever since I started working at The Knot, but it's called The Knot Gifts Back. And so you can register for the gifts because you know someone's going to give you that gift. Mm-hmm. You know someone's going to want to buy you the silverware set. In retrospect, set. we should have done that instead of making my mother's friends guess. randomly guess about things that they <laughs> personally would like. that's a fun like. experience to see what they come up with. They were all so nice. And if my mother's friends are listening to this, we really, really appreciate them. All of my thank you notes were sincere. <laughs> thank you for the gifts. But you can you can register for these things. So if you know people are going to have to buy you a gift, even if you put like five or ten things on your registry, you can opt into this program we have called the Not Gifts Back, where up to 3% of the proceeds go to the charity of your choice. So it's kind of a win-win, which is really nice. It's tough. I don't think we're at a place right now where 
everyone's on board with just giving cash to mm-hmm. a charity or maybe an experience. Like, yeah. there's going to be that Aunt Susan yes. that shows up with the KitchenAid mixer stand, yep. which I will take. It sounds great. I still don't have it. <laughs> I still don't because I don't need it. But on Black Friday, I was like, but we're technically saving like 200 bucks here. If you talk about it too lovingly, Daniel will run out and get it after this. It's, so. just, it's just so useful. It's <laughs> so, so large and useful. So to wrap this up, I would love to hear your marriage advice. I just want to hear like, what is married life like for you guys? And what's your best relationship advice? We probably have a lot of listeners who... Maybe aren't married yet, but they're in relationships. I will say that I think we are outrageously nice to each other, which is something that I think it is hard to be if you are in one of those relationships where you're trying to play it cool and you're trying to seem really cool. And periodically, I see married couples who talk to each other as though they've been thrown together on the same baseball team, but they don't like each other very much. And I think I go out of my way to make sure that I tell you every nice thought I have about you while I'm having it, that I will run down the stairs to tell you that I think your beard is handsome and I like the way it feels against my face. So uh, Often so quickly and enthusiastically that you hurt yourself. I have fallen down the stairs <laughs> in the process of running down the stairs to compliment you. I I'm, feel like you're bragging a lot about having stairs. I know we have stairs. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's, um, better friends, better apartment. It's <laughs> a real low point for me tonight. The stairs are very hard for me because I've lived in a New York apartment with no stairs for a very long time. So... I'm like a baby on them. I, I fall down sometimes. You forgot how to use stairs. Yeah. yeah. You talk a lot about the bird outside. Oh, yeah, the bird. The yeah, bird I read metaphor. that article. Yeah, there's this article that talks about how— We apologize for not remembering who wrote it. It's, I know. I wish we could credit them because I'm, I'm sure it was very popular. I can't have been the only one who read it. But they talked about how there are some people who excel in marriage. And one predictor of that is whether— you have a good rate of response to things that interest your partner. So if your partner is a bird watcher and you aren't, but they're sitting at the window and they say, oh, wow, there's a really beautiful robin over there. Do you turn and come to them and look at it with them? And people who are, you know, in successful marriages have like an 80% rate of response. And people who are on the road to divorce only respond like 20% of the time. And I think we're both very mindful of that. I think we always try to take an interest in the other person's interests. And I love that. Yeah, Yeah. me too. The idea is that I care about this because you care about it, that I'm not putting my disinterest in it ahead of your interest in it. Yeah, it's also one thing that's remarkable to me is I was in relationships with people that it is now clear to me. I was not very invested in, where they would want to do something like go to a baseball game. And I don't like baseball games. Like, I like the food. It's fine. But <laughs> they have great, like, $10 Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, that's, yeah. they do. They do. And I will spend it. I'll eat that. I'll yeah. spend that money. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. And I like the M&M race. But that's all I like about baseball games. So I would go and I would hate it. And I would sit there reluctantly thinking about how, like, I am not enjoying this. Just checking my watch. Going to get home. Get to a book. That's going to be great. So I think we were very smart to marry someone who has very similar interests and tastes to us. So I'm never in that situation. But when there are things that I don't know anything about but they make you happy, I love them. I would never go to Comic-Con by myself. But you write comic books, and I love going there with you. I love seeing how excited you are. I love seeing people come up to you and be excited about the comic books you've written. It's still – I'm not very good at it. I know that I'm wandering (laughs) up to people and asking a lot of questions like – So why don't they just get rid of the bad signal? That would help all the villains win, right? Uh, I don't think the goal is for the villains to win, but I understand why you you think that'd be effective. Seems like that should be everybody's first move if they're a villain. So I I know that I don't necessarily have the appreciation that a lot of people there have for it, but I, I just like watching you be happy and be in your element, and that's 
brings me as much joy as anything that I enjoy independently. Same. When we started dating, I think we'd been together for three weeks, and you said you're going to have to buy a tuxedo. Yeah. Because the I was doing party reporting at the time. So I was writing a column about parties in New York. So I was being invited to a lot of evening events at that time. And for me to be your date at these things, it was actually going to be cost effective for me to buy a tuxedo. It makes – you've worn it many, many, many times. I got married in it. Worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> so I I feel the same way. I think that finding somebody that you overlap with as much as possible on a personality level is the most important thing. And then the details uh, start to be a little more superficial. If you're interested in the person, then you want to be part of their world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love I love the world you've opened up for me. And uh, and I love you. And I think your nose is the best nose. Hey, I love you. And Thanks. don't run down the stairs towards me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come up and find you. OK. OK. That's safe. That's safety. That's beautiful. You guys are great. All in all, I would say that our best marriage advice is to say something nice about the other person as soon as it comes into your mind and say it constantly, run down the stairs to tell them. And if something is bothering you and the thing that is bothering you is not, oh, God, you left the oven on, the house is on fire, we have to run, sit with it for an hour and see if it's still bothering you. There have been times when you do, like, normal human things, like you leave your socks everywhere, like little Easter eggs around the house. And uh, I always wait an hour before I think about mentioning that because it's not really that big a deal. And after an hour, I've forgotten about it entirely. So it's not really worth bringing up as a criticism. It's sock confetti. It's sock confetti. It's fine. It's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, you guys. This has been great. And really funny. So stick around because in just a moment, we'll hear from you and what your best tips are for building a marriage that lasts. XOXO is a podcast produced by The Knot, the nation's leading wedding planning app offering a seamless all-in-one wedding planning experience. From finding inspiration and local vendors to creating your registry and managing all your guest experiences like digital RSVPs and photo sharing. The Knot was founded on the mission of helping every couple plan their wedding, regardless of their style, budget, location, culture, or who they choose to marry. For more than 20 years, The Knot has helped empower 25 million couples and counting to celebrate and plan their perfect celebration. If you're planning a wedding, be sure to download The Knot Wedding Planner app, available for all mobile devices. Now, a word from our listeners. Hi, my name is Eileen. I'm from San Francisco. My husband and I have been married for two years, and my marriage advice is communication is key. Remember, you're not a mind reader, and you didn't marry one either. Terrell in Savannah, Georgia, gave us a great tip for a happy marriage. He writes, pick a regular spot for dinner, breakfast, whatever, and make it a ritual. That place becomes your personal Switzerland, where even if you've both had a rough week, the ritual of going there will break the ice. My wife and I have eaten at the same Mexican place just about every Friday for 15 years. Thanks for tuning in to XOXO by The Knot. If you have a comment about our show, tips for making your own traditions, or marriage advice you want to share on air, email us at xoxo at thenot.com or leave us a message by calling 917-524-6508. Or you can connect with us on social. I'm over there. Search for our handle at The Knot. And you can find us on the web at thenot.com. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you to our show producer, Lauren Nolan, and show coordinator, Emily Berman. XOXO by The Knot is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City.